Hello, and welcome into the Facts Not Feelings podcast, powered by BZ Consultants Group, with your host, Brooke Furness. Each week, I sit down with experts in the respected fields as we discuss how we can move this wonderful automotive industry forward by differentiating facts from feelings. Our conversation explore how my guests got to where they are today and how they achieve success. All right, let's jump in. Do you find it difficult to focus on your customers and even your own employees as you're juggling numerous vendors? Do you have more meetings with vendors than you can count? And do their reports filled with technical jargon make you feel clueless and frustrated? Such is the story of Nathan. Being at a car dealership, he's concerned about his store's digital marketing presence and invests most of his time dealing with vendors to promote his business and gain more sales and market share. Nathan is busy handling reports and reviewing them, not knowing what is happening on the advertising front and about his true ROI. Poor Nathan is worried but can't figure out a solution until he found BZ Consultants Group. BZ Consultants stepped in and was able to take the digital marketing vendor burden off Nathan's plate, giving him peace of mind that the best interest of the dealer was always top of mind. Being an unbiased third party, BZ Consultants always made sure to relay the reports in easy, relatable, and actionable ways so that Nathan could best utilize the data. Now, Nathan can focus on what he really wanted, the customer experience and growth. By being your digital marketing business partner, BZ Consultants Group will remove the hassle of trying to hold your vendors accountable and increase your productivity with the time you will now have armed with true data. Together, we make it possible because your success is our goal. Well, hello, 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 everyone. Welcome into another Facts Not Feelings. We have probably by the skin of our teeth made it into Friday. If it's anybody's had the week that I've had, like I, I really think there's like some weird moon phase going on because it's been a crazy week. But we have made it into Facts Not Feelings where... What do we do here? We are exploring the latest trends and challenges that are facing our automotive industry. And obviously, I'm your host, Brooke Furness. And to my other side, we have got Brian Davis, who is the Vice President of Sales and Solutions of Orby. And today we are talking about what? The data, we are talking about the world of data activation and the right. challenges that come with it. And I'm so, so excited about this. And Brian, we we met a while ago and Obviously, yeah. there was that initial like love of Jordans. Of course, we had that instant connection of Jordans. Yeah. And then we got Perfect. more in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and we were like offline. We're like, okay, so when are we going to go look at some kicks? That's why the first question we've got right. going on. It's like, <laughs> when are we going to go get into kicks? And we already have got, we got comments coming in here of just saying, you know, forward to, looking forward to listening to this one, Brooke. Welcome to all the here. We've got Bill literally throwing down the gauntlet right now. And challenging us, yeah. saying, this yeah. better be a good one. <laughs> so, and and Bill, I, I, I'm going to go on a limb based on my wonderful guest here, Brian. I, I'm going to venture to say this is a good one. There's so much talk right now about data activation and the wonderful buzzword of CDP. But a lot of people just don't even know what that is or yeah. how to activate that data and all sure. of the all those words around it. So... Before we get much further, this is definitely, definitely a conversation that multiple people need to jump into this conversation and to hear it. So tag them, share this with them, jump in the conversation that a lot of people are already doing right now. And last week, we, uh, Peter, I, right before the show started, reached out to Peter Smith. Uh, even though we had some technical difficulties with the rerun last night or last week, Peter, I loved all the comments that were coming in. So share, tag them, and we'll 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 be picking winners, even though we're at digital dealer next week. So with that, Brian, let's I know you've been in the industry for a bit. Let's first start with kind of how you got in the industry, and then we'll we'll jump into the meat of yeah. this conversation of all about data activation in the automotive industry, the myths, the risk, and best practices. So let's just start with the, the basics of how you got into this awesome industry. Yeah, actually, uh, my stepdad. So he ran a dealership in Virginia for Gosh, roughly 20 years has always been in the automotive industry. And so when I got out of college, um, the job I had lined up fell through. He said, hey, go sell cars. So I started working at, um, at a Hendrick store in Virginia, not for my stepdad, but for someone else. And, and so kind of just 
cut my teeth there, kind of jumped in and out, eventually came back to cars.com for five years, love it there, you know, and have been really in the vendor space uh, ever since that, just different aspects, DMS, CRM, uh, digital marketing, and now sort of at the crux of it all in the middle of uh, the dataware piece, uh, middleware piece with Borby and then data activation, which is just such a natural fit. I'm so happy to be here. You know how those the, that those times when everything comes together and the stars align. So yeah, that's that's sort of my my quick backstory. And it is crazy. I mean, you and I had a conversation that my first introduction to Orby was before Orby is what it is now. That's the best way I can phrase it. Okay. And it, it is amazing <laughs> the difference of Orby then versus now. So it's the trajectory that you all have taken is just, it's quite amazing. And so I, I, I'm really, really excited for this conversation. I'm excited for our audience to have this conversation. So with that, we're going to jump into the very first question here and we're just going to get this thing rock and roll, Brian. So there's so much talk about data lakes and all these different things. And the first thing, we're just going to start really basically, what the hell is a data lake? Let's just start very simple. What is a data lake, Brian? I mean, it's, it's, it can be distilled down to a very simple format, right? It's, it's a centralized repository that's designed to store both structured and or unstructured data. Okay. It's, it's a place to put data. That's all, all it really is. That's so, I mean, pretty simple. It, I mean, you can think of that way. It's pretty simple. <laughs> it's, it's what, yeah, it's simple. It's a place to put data and, you know, go Google it. It's, that's like the top, you know, the, the top definition, but that's, that's really, you know, from there we get really complicated and we tend to overcomplicate things. And yeah, it just, it's more trouble from there, but that's a good place to start. So, and just kind of going off a little bit. So when, when someone comes to you and they're saying, oh, I have a data leak and maybe it's not that, what, what are some misconceptions? I know this actually isn't on the question. What, what's a misconception of a data leak when, when you're talking to your clients? Yeah, I, I, the biggest challenge, and I think we'll, we'll see this, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this throughout the call today, but really, what ends up happening is, yeah, people have a data lake and that's great. That's an amazing first start. Theoretically, right? The CRM is a data lake. The DMS is a data lake. There's all these places where there's a ton and ton of data. I mean, we're, we're creating an immense amount of data every single second of every single minute, every hour, every day. And the whole, the challenge is really that there's no centralized repository of all of the customer data, anything that's related to a customer journey. My guy, Jeff Ravilla down here, he wants to build a data ocean. I know my friend. I know. know. I'm like um, trying to give a straight face. I was like, uh, dude, maybe coin that phrase. Forget that. Let's just go straight data ocean. That's yeah, he doesn't I love want it. to boil the ocean. He wants to build the ocean. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and so, yeah, so so the data lake is not just you, you flip a switch, turn it on, and bam, there's a data lake. And while taking a step in that direction by flipping the switch is always, you know, kudos to, to jumping it there and doing that. But the real challenge to answer the question with data lakes is that there's typically something missing. Yeah. There's an input, a data source, something that is valuable and very important. And it's just not there. It's not accessible. Somebody doesn't want to do the work to get it there. Vendors don't play nice in the sandbox. Everybody wants it all for themselves. I know we're going to get there too, Brooke, because we have that conversation. Oh, yes. Um, All the time we have that conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's really just that your data lake is getting, you know, a feeder from one stream. It's not the ocean. It's not getting all of the feeds from all of the places and all of the data in any way, shape where you can join the data together to make it useful, which is everyone's ultimate goal, especially in automotive that I talk to on a daily basis. How do I use this great data is always love it. So that is going to segue into our next question here is as marketers, what are what are the biggest challenges that you face when activating that said data lake or data lake, depending where you're from? And how do you overcome them? Because that is a really, really big one. So once again, as a marketer, what are the biggest challenges you face when activating a data lake and how do you overcome them? Really, the, the largest challenges and serving marketers is, is what Orbi does or be uh, serve marketers and technical teams, right? It's making that data joinable and structured so that the outcomes, right? We want to activate this data link. That's excellent. Two thumbs up for wanting to do that. Are you going to activate this data in an incomplete fashion? What's your tolerance 
for incomplete data. We all hear those stories. Yeah, I mean, heck, I source from the Acura dealership about a car that we haven't had for five years. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty right. Like, that's bad. But there's that. There's just, hey, I, I, I scheduled a service appointment. Now you're reminding me that I haven't been in for service, right? Because you're getting data from one source. Yes, mm -hmm. that's accurate if you look at the DMS records. That marketing is inaccurate and invalid if you don't take into consideration what's happened on the website, right? So there's a tolerance level. You have to start somewhere. You have to begin building your data ocean, Jeff, with something, but then to get complete, to get that panacea, which is one of my all-time favorite words. Of By like, the way, hey, did you just throw down panacea out of nowhere there. Like, I think you just won word of the day. Hello. Well, yeah, we got panacea. We got building data oceans. We're, we're going we're gonna to knock out a few of those today. Um, yeah, it's, it's just really, gosh, how, how do I get all the data? Then how do I make it useful? And a lot of times we kind of stop before we get there because it's really freaking hard. It's just, that's the biggest challenge. It's hard to get all that data in the same format and make it so that we can use it and be very confident that we're not going to do the opposite of our intention and turn customers off. We want to turn them on more and push them forward and give them what they need and want because they're going to buy from somebody. It's who doesn't piss them off the day they go to buy it, right? That's often something what happens, so. Oh yeah, I mean, it's so much of it is, okay, so as you're ingesting that data, what is the outcome of that? So as we talk about bringing this back up here is, what are the biggest challenges? Well, before you even start that, one second, work backwards, work front. So why are you even doing this? If, you're, mm -hmm. if your process is not going to change, you're going to continue to give bad data, give bad, uh, give a horrible process and not improve that or right. continue to have things that don't talk to each other or, hey, we're just going to continue to do things the old way. Then why are you even doing it in the first place? So, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more on that. And w w that panacea, comment it's kind of blowing up right now here mr brian <laughs> so we've got all kinds of comments coming out just in that one comment so I, that like i said that between the, the data excuse me the data ocean yeah we got a, a lot of comments coming on about that panda c yeah that's another one we got going on so somebody make me a t-shirt for digital dealer that says panacea and I will wear it. I, promise. I, I think the challenge well. has been thrown down. Somebody yes. make a T-shirt for Brian, whether it's yeah. whether we got the hooked on phonics version of it, Panda C Y. We've got uh, what was the other one? We've got uh, Bill. I don't even know how the hashtag. There we go. Thank you for that one. Uh, yeah, and we just got what the on the, that could be that could be another good shirt. Panacea question mark what the I like that one as well. We got, we got, we got a lot of them here. We've got also Steven always coming on with really good comments here. A singular data lake is a unified place to secure and maintain data continuity where every selected vendor is, is a process engine to help activate the data and contribute to the data lake in a meaningful way when done correctly. Steven Apicella, a man of many very valuable words. Uh, sure. Yes. All right. Uh, let's move it on here into how important, I know we kind of touched a little bit before, but how important is a vendor collab is vendor collaboration in data activation and what are some best practices for successful collaboration? Cause this is a big one, man, really big one. This is how important it is. <laughs> Thank you. This, Thank is, you. Will. Is this the right way or do I need to flip it? I can't. Not, well, it depends. Like mo yours is right. I don't think yours is flipped. So I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> it is absolutely imperative. Okay. If your vendors who maintain pieces of your data, your customer's data, actually, if these vendors who maintain pieces of the customer data that play a part in the customer journey, you have to be able to get that into that place where you can use it, the data lake, or you know, the, the one of the data leaks, whatever data lake you're going to market with, right? You have to get it all together in order to do that accurate marketing. It has to be, like Ben Hadley is saying, in a timely fashion, right? So, you know, two years worth of stuff here that hasn't been updated, okay, there's gonna be problems potentially. You're gonna run into that. So vendor collaboration, uh, it's not just, hey, here's the feed, okay? 
And so, you know, we're absorbing data from dealerships, data lakes that they made themselves out of years and years of DMS data. We're pulling that in and we're starting to get that kind of re-cleaned and, and accessible, mixing that with CRM data that hasn't been really cleaned or, or adulterated in any way. And then we're pulling in website events and then we're getting stuff from a trading widget. And now we got all this stuff and we're like, okay, whose data is accurate and when? So it's not just getting it in the right place. It's understanding what's been done to it before it got there and then what you're going to do with it. So you said something before that I really like and want to hone in on for a second, which is why. The why is so important for something like this. This is literally not just, hey, it's on, we're good. And then 30 days later, what's happening? Oh, it's not working. Let's cut the cords. You have to begin with the end in mind. Intentionality is very, very important. So sometimes marketers that come to us and say, I want to do all of this stuff, it ends up sort of going on the back burner because there aren't the right people like you in place to manage the vendors and the relationships, or there aren't willing participants in the dealership to do some of the work, even just relationship management behind the scenes to figure this stuff out, to move it forward. So that's one of the reasons why sort of these efforts can, can fail is because there's not the collaboration and there's not the research into what's been done to help us figure out how to get forward. It's very, it can be very complicated. It can also be easier than a lot of people think it is, but it just depends on what's going on, who the vendors are, what they've done so far. And there are so many questions to ask, which we're going to get into later on of how, you know, what's the purpose, which direction you're going to go, how, yeah. how what type, there's so many questions. So before you ever do anything, having that conversation and that communication with every single party and finding out which works best with you, your people, your process, and with your products. And how is that going to enhance them? If it's not going to enhance them because of any of those other uh, any of those products or any of those people or any of anything that we just mentioned, yep. why are you doing it? And right. it can, once again, as we've talked about so many times in the show, something may be the greatest things in sliced bread, but it might not be the right time for a Absolutely. variety of reasons. So going through Very that good. is so incredibly important. So with that, we, we've talked about the vendor collaborations. We've talked about the challenges. We've talked about the data lake is let's go into what we just, this is a perfect segue into what mm -hmm. questions should a dealer ask when someone claims they can activate their data? Uh, there's quite a few. Um, I think most importantly, you should tell the vendor, thank you for being willing to take this on with me, but are you going to do it with me or are you going to do it for me? And what I mean by that is what can I do to inspect the outcomes and to help you tune it in, right? How, how can we tweak it and make it better? Have a, have a customer who probably prefers to remain nameless at this point in time who says, hey, I love all of the great stuff you guys are doing for other customers. And I would love to replicate a lot of that. However, I want to do it very slowly because I don't know that it's going to be well received from all of our customers. So I think that the ability to collaborate with the activator of the data to continuously tweak and make things better is sort of like the marketer's dream. Like I, I get a lot of questions from pure marketers. Can I A-B test that? Yeah. Right. Or can I, can I day part that? And it's like, sure, like that's no problem. How would you like to do that and why? So I think you have to understand that there are a lot of set it and forget it's. There are a lot of progressive set it and forget it's out there. You got to ask that, that, that partner, what are we going to be able to do with reporting and analytics and piecing that together to continue to make it better? And then what if I do something different with my data? Like what if, let's say, for instance, you have this data activation product and you go from one DMS or CRM to another. Yeah. What happens to the historical information is that is the 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 transactions, the opens, the closes, the clicks, the, the click throughs, the leads is all of that in a place where I can use it later. Yep. Is it recorded in your system only? Is it being passed off to the CRM? And in every single situation is different. You want to own your data right? No matter what. And everything everybody does within that activation system is still your data about your customers that you are responsible for. So how do I get that back if I have to, right? And then how do we continue to make this better? Is there a mechanism by which we can help each other get better together? Man, I, I love data. that. Be my guest. Please do it. 
use your first party data, get used to it because you're going to have to, right? If you're not already, find a partner who's willing to take a step back and realize that maybe they aren't everything to everybody and that they want your input on making it better for your business. One who signs the check. Brian, I love that so much. So much what you just, like everything you just said there, because it's so true. It's any question that you're asking is what are you doing with it? How do I own that? Where's it going? You know, the amount of times that we switch in our industry, we switch DMS. Hopefully you're not switching DMSs too often, but your CRM, things you don't want to switch, but you know, things happen. Uh, so sure. what happens with that? You now, where's it, who owns it? Where's it going? All these questions you need to be asking. Yeah. And just because it's co-opable doesn't mean you should be going with it. So wh- where well, is this yeah. going? Where, you know, yeah. who, all those different questions and then diving into it and saying, you know, it, are you partnering with me or are you, are you just, like you said, set it and forget it and walk away and hope it works. Like, yeah. no, don't, don't be doing that stuff. So really asking those questions and first party data is so that is your information. And yet, yeah, just, that's, that's, that is that's your another, information. That's a really good point. And I didn't know ah. if you really went into it this early or not, but um, the question of, yeah, hey, how can I get my data to use it somewhere else is important. But also, I understand that if I'm a dealership and you're activating my data, you're activating it in a system that I don't own, right? So, mm-hmm. Does that data exist in a partition, a part of your system that's just reserved for me? Is it a private room or is it in the auditorium with everybody else's data? So to know like, hey, we'll talk about this. I think we're going to talk about AI for a second, but like, hey, if you're going to do this for me, can I be assured or can you prove that this data is not going to be blended with a whole bunch of other people's data to build some sort of model or some sort of audience? out there. We'll talk about audiences, but is it just my data that you're activating for me or is my data helping you do something bigger for other people as well as me? And therefore I'm competing against myself down the, down the line. You've got to draw a line in the sand and say, this is what I can, this is what I'll work with. This is what I won't when it comes to how your data is treated behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a show. And the amount um, of, yeah, and I know we're going to get to that. And so hold on, ladies and gentlemen, because we'll definitely yeah, get to sure. that amount. Hey, are you, yeah, so I don't want to spoil, yeah. but we're going to get to that. Let, let's go with the next one of uh, what are some common misconceptions? Do we do, we didn't do this one already. What are the common misconceptions that people have about data activation in the automotive, automotive industry? And I, this one, I think we can tire, do an entire show on this, but oh, yeah. let's start yeah. with like the main ones. What are the common mis- misconceptions that people um, have about data activation? The, the misconception that, gets a lot of folks going is is that it can just be done like that <laughs> and and so it, it can right people can turn things on that that flash in the pan or do some things quickly and i mentioned before if we can't tweak it and make it better or kind of think about that then then ultimately that that might fizzle out okay so activating data is a it should be a long-term approach not a short-term solution to a long-term problem. It's not a band-aid, okay? Um, you, need to, you need to think about maybe why you got into the position that you're in and what you're gonna change about the way you do business and how activating your first-party data can help you get there instead of, I'm gonna go down to the show and I'm gonna sign up for this 50% off deal at Digital Dealer, which we're not doing, by the way, and... <laughs> say, I'm going to try this for three months and it's going to fix everything. Cause I mean, look, it's a, it's a different way of doing business for many. And that's a misconception. Now I will say there are a lot of great solution providers out there who've done a great job and they can provide some solutions and are continuously innovating. Right. But they're fewer than you might think. So um, so so much so that the FTC is actually cracking down on how some of these people advertise on a B2B basis. So we'll get to that later. I've got Joseph, Joseph saying the oh, partition question is great. Oh, yes. in the old days, quote unquote, old days of SCO Unix, you could generally partition drives and isolate data. Useful example mm-hmm. for HIPAA compliance. 
where are your partition data is. Well, what he's the, really, really saying here is, is, is are, are you, well, this is part of what I was going to talk about in AI. So yeah. Joe is like ahead of the game here. Yeah, Joe, we're getting what to that. What he's really saying is like, well, Joe, what are, you, what are you doing? You reading down our thing here? Come on. No. Um, <laughs> Joe, we literally like, have that question teed up for you, is buddy. Is that data? Let's just wait. We'll get back to Joe. How about that? I don't want to yeah, get Yeah, Joe, that's like, that. we're like three questions away, three or four questions away from that. But Joe, you're reading yeah, our we'll mind here. We should have just brought, we'll, yeah. we'll come back up here. All right. So let's go with the next, uh, we're going, let's go with the potential risk question here. So let's go with what are some potential risks associated with data activation and how can companies mitigate mm -hmm. those risks? There's risk in a lot of places. It's not just the data ownership and protection. So who, who, who's responsible for the customer's data as it's being used, as it's being transferred between systems? That's the whole GLBA. You, you guys cover that quite a bit, you and Tom. Yeah. And, you know, so that's your thing, right? Um, that's a risk is that you're sending a ton of you know, transactional prospects, uh, sales, sold, service data to a new provider and all, oftentimes. And so that's the risk. The data risk that I want to kind of focus on more is like from CX perspective of, okay, you're getting ready to turn on some messaging to, to people that are in the CRM, right? And understanding, hey, did those people opt out of being communicated? Is that being kind of resolved in the new system that's activating? Or are we going to go at this, this pool of customers and try to reactivate them from another system and sort of kind of get through a loophole and in um, marketability, you know, so how are we going to approach this customer database? Because all it takes is a couple of phone calls or emails to Better Business Bureau or the FTC or something where somebody's being bothered and they didn't want to. And all of a sudden it's a little bit nastier than you intended, right? Uh, or a lot nastier than you intended. So just understanding what steps have been taken to mitigate the risk of over communication, sharing data without intent. Um, you know, and, and just making sure that that person overall customer experience, damn the legal stuff mm -hmm. is, are we going to be sending somebody a message that they might even care to see? Or are we on a fast track to unsubscribe? Right. Yeah. And, and that's so that's what what I really want folks to focus on when I talk to them is, hey, you know, maybe you have to start broad to get an audience and to get some segmentation, but be careful, you know, go, go easy on them and then start to turn up the heat when they show intent, when they respond and, and, and show that, yeah, I am, I am interested in that. Great. Let's go this step further. Let's continue the drip. Let's, but let's not just throw it all against the wall for everybody and see what happens. That's a big risk in first party marketing. What I think is going to be the focus is how does your marketing affect your brand when you can't just buy more audiences off the street. It's going to be much more important to focus on. You can't just write a check and make it go away. Yeah. Right. Look at what's happened in reviews over the last 10 years. Right. <laughs> People just wanted them to go away. And I'm going to cancel this vendor because the review's there and that's the vendor's fault. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, not. Yeah. it's their fault. You can see it. Yeah, <laughs> but or that, your process it could be that right, people in process could be a was, big part of it, before, right? So that's the big risk. How is it going to be activated? Are you familiar with and comfortable with the ways that your customer, your customer, is going to be reached? Because your business is responsible for what happens between you and that customer in the course of selling, servicing cars, parts, financing, what have you. Yeah. And I don't, this was not on this at all, but just in general, when you, when you're looking at, oh, we're just going to continue to send out lease and finance specials to 20,000 people. Just think, would you personally want to receive that? And is it in, in any way, is that personalized to that person? Mm, yeah. 20,000 yeah, people. And look, I, I'd be remiss to claim that, you know, all of the marketing that goes out, are it, from from our activations are just perfect for every single person they reach, right? That's impossible. That's asinine. If somebody says they're all perfect every single time, turn around and run because you got yeah, to have a lot. No, okay. You got to go broad sometimes to build the ability to go granular and to go segmented and to go targeted, right? It's like bring people back to your website. Great. Now that you can learn things about them, 
with that broad net. Now they're going to get a little more narrow and you say, hey, I actually am going to send this guy the truck content because they haven't looked at sedan one. So I know which one I'm going to go with. Like you got to start somewhere. But your goal, beginning with the end in mind, is to ultimately decrease the size of the campaigns that are going out yeah. over time. Right. Personalize it. Personalize Personal. it. So that brings us into a straight into how can companies effectively measure the ROI of their data activation efforts? It, that's a good question. Um, there's try. A, more, you're good at this, <laughs> more analytics than you could possibly imagine, um, which, which in our industry, I think that there's a, there's a gap in the analytical focus of our industry and i think it comes down to manpower and understanding you know deep analytics and hey i'm not the reporting guy on our team we have some very very smart people that can pull the story out of uh, out of the data i think you have to really think about not only okay how many clicks and how many things happened you know on the report but you have to sort of look at overall like marketing automation and and data activation should directly correlate to CSI. It should directly correlate to the time to sale decreasing. It should directly correlate to retention, right? It shouldn't just be how many clicks did I get this month, right? But it also needs to be, it, you, it needs to be said that starting an activation and having a good month doesn't mean everything's fixed. Or I've been doing this for three months and things are getting worse. Well, Maybe you ought to look into maybe we're sending too many messages and it's turning some people off and we should, you know, we, we're making a major change in our business. So part of it is a little bit seat of the pants, but a lot of it is numerical. But as you know, with marketing, it is very challenging to give one particular thing all of the credit or no credit. It, it's just not the right way to do it. Multi-touch attribution, return on ad spend. Got some very, very smart people that hang out with us that, that talk about the different methodologies. Um, some of them that just spoke up on the call here uh, are are very in the comments, very, very big on the engagement, the retention, CSI, you know, the, the, the total efficiency of your marketing. So it's not just Google Analytics. I'm telling you, it's way deeper than that. Um, yeah. 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 And we've done quite a few shows on as well at Google. As great as Google is, it's just a tool in your tool belt. If you're looking at to measure everything, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. You know, I like to say about, about that single view analytics. Um, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yes. yes. Very much so, my friend. Very much so. So let's get into AI a little bit here and in machine learning and what role does AI and machine learning play in data activation in the automotive industry? Seems to be a lot of talk about this right now. <laughs> there is, there is um, so much talk. And I think that with AI, I would, I would tell folks it has its, it really does have its place. Oh, I use it every day. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But, but you have to be, be cautious and, so I think where, you know, we think about, you know, having a data lake or having a CDP, customer data platform, what those mean in and of themselves is you have that place to centralize and hopefully you're structuring, focusing on structured data, okay, so that you can use it. Now, at the beginning, where, where AI kind of fits into all of this is that that structured, complete, solid data about customer journey is a great place for AI tools to reference so that they can do their job, right? Like you got an automated phone system or what have you, they're running off of maybe DMS data. So they have a limited view of what's going on in your world. Whereas a data lake or a CDP that's really got all of the endpoints of the customer journey connected can provide better a better platform for that AI. So think about like, what's the big, What's the big rub with chat GPT, especially in the, the earlier versions, right? It's, oh, well, it's old. It's limited to 2021 or whatever it is. Data, a lot, a lot of smart people that know a lot more about it than I do. Ryan Everson. Okay, I'll, I'll have to pass that one along to somebody. Um, okay. But when you think about this, it's, it's, is that AI just using your data or is the AI 
using the whole automotive industry's data. So when we think about activating data, again, like that partition of the database, is it just you? Because when you have like a phone system or you have a chat tool, I think where we want to go with this is that that AI tool that does such a great job at, at kind of replacing people and doing things consistently, you want that to be representative of your business and your brand, right? So like Facebook is going to get ready to kill it with AI because they're kind of like going away from metaverse and moving into AI, but like they're going to be able to look in your phone and see pictures that you were at a wedding and who the people were and create a post talking about, oh, I had a great time at the wedding with these people, blah, blah, blah. They're not, that's, that's you, that's your life, your business. It doesn't relate you with every other wedding that happened that weekend, right? So think about this as a dealer, you've got a lot of dealerships you compete with, right? Do you want all of those people's data and bad habits and what have you pricing history to, to be in that pool of data that the AI goes from and, and leverages, or do you want to focus in on yours? So I think AI has a lot of good places. Um, we're, we're working on, hey, how can AI help us do things with data to, to sort of focus and centralize and, and structure different data sets and, and, and work on that? So there's a lot of work to do. I just say, be cautious, try to understand what AI really is. I'm trying to learn about it all of the time. And then what am I going to feed into this tool so that it actually does its job well? That's that's kind of where I'm at with it right now, where Orby's at with it. But yeah, I, I love learning about how to do things more efficiently. ChatGPT is a game changer for tons of folks. Um, content, you know, building job descriptions. Hell, maybe you made all the questions for this with ChatGPT. I don't know. But uh, there's you know, a good chance of it. Good chance of it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> there's a huge place for it. It's going to keep getting better. Just think about are you part of the industry? Yes. But do you want to focus on that when you talk about why you differentiate, how you brand? So, Ryan Everson, the man, myth, the legend. Yeah. He knows his stuff with, with AI. You should pull that guy in here to go. I, he, That's like four shows. Right yeah. There. There's like, so I first started this, we're like, what, 108 episodes in. I like, like made a list, like, whoever. And I've got Ryan and Ryan, I, Ryan and I don't know if we've ever actually like shook hands. Like I know, obviously you know Ryan from digital and digital land, whatever. And I've got, yeah. see if I can ever get Ryan on my show. Will Ryan ever come my show? And so Ryan, at some point I'd love to have in the shot. Just like we have never, like never officially met. So I was like, I don't know if I can just reach out. He's like, the, like you said, man, with I'm like, I'd love to have Ryan on my show. And Ryan, I, yeah. I've got your comment up here. I, I know that Brian said offline. So I, uh, yeah, there we go. No, no. I mean, it's just about the, um, you know, blocking middleware. I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be technical enough to understand um, that piece of it. So we, we can definitely connect on that and I'll, I'll, I'll we will get that answer for sure. Awesome. Um, I would assume if our business is riding on it, that we would figure that out. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks for the question there, Ryan. All right. So I think we're down to, we've had quite a few questions about the first party data. So with yeah. that, that, that we're, we're at that point now where we've had quite a few questions about that. And so how do you see the use of first party data evolving in automotive industry and why is it so important? And I guess we've kind of we've answered part of that because people keep asking about it in the chat. So uh, Brian, hit us with it. Why, how do you see this as the first party data evolving in the automotive industry and why is it so important? Yeah. I mean, first party data is, it's not the only thing you need to focus on right now, but it is something that you have to start really building a, a plan for and understanding better. So, you know, people say cookies are going away. Well, look, third party cookies are going away. Um, how do you think Amazon is able to, when you come back to Amazon into the app or onto the website, show you what was in your cart, right? Like there, there's, there's first party tracking mechanisms that are going to be around, right? So third party wise, it's just a lot of audience creation and, you know, sort of over the internet type of stuff that's going away. But regardless, um, like first party data has been in existence forever, right? It's, it's what data does that business own about its customers, right? Transactional data, usage data, things of that nature. And what we've been doing, which we've kind of talked about is sort of leveraging that first party data or letting other people leverage it for us. So we're giving it to a data activator. We're sending it through an integration to some other thing. Okay. It's storming in Virginia right now. So yeah, we're, um, good. we're good. Yeah. I think that the focus, all right. The focus needs to be 
activating what you own. So you own first party data. Nobody's going to take it away from you. You know things about your customers and there are opportunities, ways for you to actually go in and make better use of this data. Actually, sometimes using third party information, validating data, understanding what those customers are doing since you have the rights to knowing things about them. Dealerships just need to understand, okay, if I have data in my systems and I'm not using it, that's basically like not investing money. That's that's like putting cash in a mayonnaise jar and burying it and not trying to get interest on it, right? Like there's residual value to collecting, structuring, understanding, and using the data that's happening in your store, on your phones, on your website, on all of the chat tools that are on your website, the, the digital retail tools. That is all first party data that you own, but oftentimes it's not put together. So what I would tell people to start with is understand all of the places where data is collected about your customer. And it's not just the transactions or the appointments that are in the CRM or you know the, the deal that was worked and stored in the, in the desking tool. This is everything that happens prior to you having a chance to transact, um, everything that happens after you transact and people are coming back to look for things, service scheduling, uh, warranty information, parts, all of that. It's all data about you and your customer together. And just think about that. It, it, it's not it's not a game of how many leads did it get me. It's how much do I know and how can I use that information, right? And it's what the rest of the world does to all of us all day, every day to try to get us to be, you know, subscribers to their, their program or use their services. It's just that automotive has been so focused on how am I going to sell the next car, right? Or how am I going to service the next car versus what am I doing to build that lifetime value? So If you can look at first party data as the means to increasing the lifetime value of your customers and the revenue per customer over time, then I think you'll understand why it's so important. And it is not chasing the goals of one month versus the next. Okay. I mean, that's important too, but it's a long-term investment. It so is. I mean, there's, you look at, uh, we had Kevin Fry on a couple weeks ago and he was talking about Kroger and just, you know, how Kroger does, it's amazing what they can do with it. And I'll take it, you know, th- there's so many companies outside the industry that have dialed this in so freakishly well. I was texting with a good friend, Darren Weegley, he's with Car Now, and he sent me, he's like, Brooke, I got, I've got some shoe questions. I need some help. I was like, yeah, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. So he literally sends a picture over to me, sends a link to a pair of a brand of shoes that he was, he's like, hey, what do you think of these? Within 10 minutes, I'm getting targeted on Instagram and every other platform for these kicks. And I was like, these aren't even the shoes that I would ever wear. Like, I'm already getting targeted from every other platform. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But it's it's just amazing how all all these other companies out there have got it so dialed in. They know whether it's Amazon, whether it's Target, they know what we're going to buy before we are ever in the market to buy that. Like, they know our shopping patterns so well. Do they know you're, do they know you're going to buy it or do they know that you might be interested? So they're going to push you to buy it. Both. I think it's both. Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm thinking about it. Just, just look, that that's the, oh my gosh, how do they know I wanted to buy that? Right. There's all sorts of ways to put that together. You know, Amazon data about what people are buying and all this stuff. When you think about a dealership, there's very simple, low hanging fruit that we aren't paying attention to. So like part of our technology plugs into you know different widgets and things that typically don't give you a lot of data. Let's take service schedulers. Mm. You know, what if I could tell you about the 500 people that tried to make an appointment that never got to the conversion, so you never even knew they were there, right? What would you do with those people? That's not activating to get you new opportunities. That's activating data, first-party data, to take care of your customers. Unfortunately, if you can't see how far that person went through a, a service scheduler process, and they don't make it out the other side, you can't know whether they stopped on transportation or whether maybe an appointment time didn't work for them or hell, they might not even know what kind of car they drive. Yep. Right. But the light came on the dashboard. So they went to the website. Hallelujah. The marketing worked, but the execution's terrible. So a lot of what we're talking about is not dream up a way for this person who wasn't in the market to buy a car. It's taking a look at the 95% of people who didn't 
ring up a conversion event, right? And figure out why and do a better job of making that easier. Cause now they're already here. You paid the 50, hundred K a month to get them here to do the things that you do. You're just not listening to them as they try to do it or trying to help them figure out what the next steps are. That's where first party data right now with data activation, it's not a pie in the sky. No. People are doing it. Hell, people are looking at what people are, what shoppers are looking at in one of their 40 stores, 50 stores and saying, hey, you know what? We don't have that here, but we got it in our other store. Let's make sure that that person who searched for a car that doesn't exist on this website gets served that ad on the back end somewhere else. Yeah. And all that exists and it happens right now today because those dealers are paying attention. Yeah, right? it, it, it's yeah, there's so much you can do right now. So how can companies ensure that they are using data ethically and transparently? And what are some common pitfalls to avoid in this area? Yeah, I mean, that, that is a, a kind of a long question, but um, you you do want to make sure going back to what we kind of talked about with, you know, what to look out for when you're activating data. You really want to be aware of the methods that the company is going to use to activate your data. Like when you're choosing a partner, are they willing to, you know, let you own your own ad accounts? Are they willing to uh, send the emails through your email sender? Are they hiding things? You get the feeling that something's not going on. And then certifications are a big thing. Like we're right smack in the middle of a ton of certification. We've already gone through one for JD Power and Automotive Mastermind and Amazon partnerships and stuff. So like there's a lot of sort of like infrastructure and security related things that that really need to have been done to make sure that your data is just going to be secure. But you got to think about the way that company wants to transact business. Yeah. Right. It's like my grandpa used to say, hey, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Right. You've got to be able to feel that out, have face to face conversations. If you can get next to somebody in person who's high up at that company to understand how they're doing business, if you get a good feeling like it's really important to trust your partners in that way. So I would say definitely like get to know the people you're working with, because those are the ones that something goes wrong. You're going to want them next to you in the courtroom. God forbid, <laughs> right? That's just really important to me as a person. I think us as a business. Okay. So we'll snowball that right into what there's obviously multiple ways you can do this. So one-stop shop or multiple part, multiple partners for CDP marketing and ad automation. What is yeah. your take on this? Um, I think it has to be either or possibly both. One thing that's very rare in automotive is that there's going to be a company that says, Hey, you know, we, we'd love to collaborate with a competitor. And it's just, it's the way that things need to be. I mean, Salesforce is a humongous company. Look at their app marketplace. They know that not every customer is going to be able to stop what they're doing, pull in a humongous, you know, new tech company and say, you know what, give it all to these folks. So one of the, I think you need to work with people who are willing to, even if the integrations don't quite yet exist, somebody who's willing to get on a call with a competitor and say, yeah, you know, send us some events, We'll build an audience for you. The dealership can use it or you can use it. You know, you have to be able to start getting into those sort of, you know, dark, dusty closets of, you know, keeping it all to myself as a vendor. So, you know, when you see press releases about collaborations, a lot of times this is just based on a phone call that happened where there's a refreshing amount of willingness to share and try to make products better for the dealership and for the consumer, most importantly. You know, so it's I am a huge fan of open. Um, that's why we're, you know, Orby is really taking this middleware term very seriously, because, look, we're not going to be a DMS provider. We're not going to activate every single piece of data in every single type of way. But if we're that central data lake and we're responsible for segmenting and structuring everything together. Yes, I will absolutely make that available for you to use where you choose, Mr. Dealer. It's your actual data. Why would I try to hold it hostage so that you got to pay me extra to use the ad system that we have? Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Because of where automotive has been and how the vendor space has not evolved in all of the ways that, you know, I think it will in the years to come. We've had to build some of these things, right? Like we've had large customers that say, hey, look, you know, the integration you had with my email marketing partner is great, but I just don't think that they're putting in the effort. So why don't you guys build it? 
we're like, all right, well, we're not trying to rebuild the U.S. Postal Service. So we're going to go to some enterprise tools. Like we'll tell everybody that gets on a call with us who we use for our email backend center, who we use for our editor. We just built this crazy layer of tech on top of it to integrate the data. But like we use third party companies for some of our tools. Now we build a whole lot of tech. But you, people don't need to be scared about that. Everybody knows CDK's bought so many companies and brought them in, right? I mean, it's just that there's not going to be one house with enough rooms for everybody to live in always. So uh, it's just very, very important that whether you choose somebody to do it all for you right now, that that company is willing to help you build out integrations for the future because chances are, there's going to be something that they can't do. And if you can't get that really valuable aggregate data out, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, you are. And we've had quite a few comments coming in here, whether it's about the CRM and DMS. And believe me, I, I, I said probably 15 years ago, man, if someone would just have those two that were the same, yeah, that'd be phenomenal. That'd be awesome. I know Techion has is, is done that. Yeah, there's de they've definitely done that. Uh, there needs to be more like that. That's kind of where the CDP yeah. comes in. That they, hey, we're going to bring that all into one place, and it's not just the CRM and the DMS. It's everything. So yeah. I know we've had quite a few comments like that coming in here, and I just have to bring up George's one more one more time because George, no joke, I literally just brought this up to before this before yeah. we jumped on here had to talk to two clients today and just said. For the love of the holy, stop using your damn iPhone and your freaking cell phone to text people. Now, if it's through a secure app, that's different. Right. But yep. please, so as George is saying, dealers, stop, yeah, dealers, stop allowing your salespeople to use their mobile phones and send social security number, date of birth, and per PII, personal identifying, and and you keep it's illegal to call like unless you're using a secure system. Just stop. I just once again, the more you know, ta -da! please stop doing you know, it. One place that people don't really think about, um, you know, Graham Leach, Bliley, and HIPAA came about at the same time in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. One just really got enforced before the other. So if you want to go look at where dealerships are headed, go look at the security and the interconnectivity and regulations that hospitals and healthcare companies have to do when they're sharing data, and you will pretty closely understand where your dealership's going. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. And before I got into the automotive world, I was in the medical field. So it's like, yeah. So we'll wrap up here with uh, the, probably the last question. I don't forget the very last question. We'll just start with end with third party. So with third party cookies no longer relevant, what alternatives are available for tracking user behavior and personalizing the experience? Personalizing the experience? Yeah. So um, tag management is a big one. So, um, you know, like Google Tag Manager is a third party tool. Uh, being a first party cookie server or tag manager is very, very important. So not only, hey, I have this technology that's installed on my website, but can the, the business actually own the place where that data is stored and call it their own? Okay, so that's a big shift, right? And there's a lot of different uh, questions around this, but I think that you know if you can't buy that somebody has been looking at cars on another website, you can try to attract that audience to yourself and then make sure that once that audience is there, that it's not being sold out the back door. I think just being able to have your own tag management tool, it's called, a, you know, DMP is one word for it, data management platform, tag managers, uh, consent management, uh, the ability to orchestrate what is happening on the website between tags is, is very, very important. And then, you know, a big key is not letting tags load on your website that don't need to be there, right? Does somebody who does a service schedule need to see everything about a, a customer that's happening? Probably not, right? How are you going to actually coordinate that data sharing on the website in real time? He's got some technology for that. Uh, we actually restarted working with Honda. We're doing tag management for all Honda sites for tier one. So that's really cool. Um, great work by the tech team to do that. And same thing. It's, it's all about being able to control what's happening with the data once it's on your website. Once that customer's there, you own them, how you treat them's up to you. Yeah, and that's that's something we've talked about previously. And if you're new to the show, I'm just going to say it again for if you are new and if you're not new, maybe you need a refresher. Once a month, go through and say, hey, look at your Google tag containers and your manager and say, do I know all of these? Because if you haven't done it, you'll probably have 30 or, or 40 maybe 
and say, I don't even, dude, I don't even know who these people are. Like there's like 30 on here. If you have 30, that's way too many. If you have 20, that's way too many. How many pixels right. do you have on your site? If you have more than one Facebook pixel, that is too many. You should have one. That is it. So go through and clean this stuff up right. because otherwise people are accessing your data. How many ad accounts do you have linked to your Google ad right now? And inside of Google Analytics, how many Google ad accounts do you have linked right now? Right. Do you know who they are? Go and look at this because that is your data. And people are if people are siphoning it off, go and look and see who they are. Because once again, this is your stuff. And if you're just willingly giving it away, then that's kind of on you because someone needs to be monitoring this stuff. So it happens I'm, I'm, more than you would believe. Oh my goodness. It's a constant battle, man. It's a it's it yeah. That's also why I have a job, Brian. It's why we both have jobs. So hey, on that end. <laughs> But I want it to be fixed. We'll find something else to do. Like it is true. <laughs> Believe it, there's enough broken stuff. Like there's enough broken yeah. stuff. Like I, I'll we'll find other stuff to fix. But I guess right. it's like it just drives me bonkers. I'm like, there's no reason. Like, but I I know why this is the case. Do, right? But yeah. yeah. Well, Brian, I, I cannot think enough. This has been so much fun. I, I I appreciate all the amazing everyone that's been commenting, incredible comments in. And I know that we were, I was trying to get up there as quickly as can. And I normally will go through and like read them all. It was, there were just so, there were, I am so grateful, Brian, all the stuff coming in. Uh, we will go through, I will definitely personally go through it and answer as many as I can. Well, I, well, I, not as many. I will answer all of them. And I'm sure Brian will as well. And if I can't answer them, yeah, Brian will too. answer them. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. thank you, everyone. I, I'm not sure who else going to digital dealer, but if you are definitely, I know we're both going to be there and at some yeah. point we'll be going to a shoe store i'm sure so everyone travel travel safely thank you so much brian this is the point of the show though we got to jump into the lightning round though now and with our right. audience needs to get to know you just a little bit better is first and foremost the audience has got to know where they can follow you so that's the first thing so for the yeah, audience yeah. that's watching that you can see uh, brian's personalized link down here but for the audience that's listening how can they find and get find you and get in touch with you yeah, uh, LinkedIn, um, just search my name, Brian Davis, and then Orby. Um, we try to keep up with some content, show you guys the press and, and some of the thought leadership coming out of uh, Atul Patel, our CEO, and some of our partners there. Uh, I'm just trying to keep up, right? Yeah, that's that's the best place, honestly. And the website's pretty robust with the latest happenings, orby.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And next question is, what outside of work, what is your favorite thing to do? What are you doing to unwind? I love playing with kids. I've got I've got young girls, and um, so spend a lot of time with them, with the wife. You know, we travel uh, as much as we can together versus just me and on the conference trail. Yep, and I play a little golf. You know, listen to a little music, and and wish I had all the shoes that you have, Brooke. But you know, that's just not going to happen. You, you, you've got a pretty good collection. I've seen you've, you got some fire going on there, so yeah. uh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. No longer the most important thing in my life, but uh, uh, you know. yes, yeah. It's, it's we just that's like like my my downtime, like to keep me sane. That's what I'm doing here, man. Uh, yeah, all right. Fun. Well, favorite vacation spot? Where are you going? Uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Nice. Oh, yep. I like that. Very nice. All right. Whether it's in life, personal, or in business, how are you distinguishing facts from feelings? Uh, a lot of it comes down to the gut, trust, and you know you have to do your research. Find out what other people are saying, but uh, as a as a very wise man, Gary Ledoux uh, told me is that you know you, you got to hear what people say and you got to research, but you got to understand that sometimes what is put out there in the internet is unfounded or based on emotions, and mm -hmm. so you do need to temper it and take it kind of slow um, as you're as you're creating you know your own mental repository of what's fact and what's feeling. So true. So let's go with what do, what do you love most about this industry? People love it, man. Same here. Absolutely. All right. We're going to end with what is your favorite car? Oh, favorite car. You had to do this to me. Um, oh, gosh. Because I never had it and I always wanted it and I will get it one day. It is a Phoenix Yellow 2001 Acura Integra Type R. That is a, that's a, I've actually had the Integra, uh, I think twice, twice or two or three times on this, on this show. It's a, good, it's a very good vehicle. Good choice, yep. man. Good choice. Yep. All right, everyone. It has been, uh, Brian, like I said before, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It, you're always bringing just wealth of knowledge. As you can see, everyone, it's great. It's a very timely topic, but a much needed topic because there's so much around this that it's, it's just a lot of unknown and it's, it's a lot of either misinformation, bad information, and just knowing, hey, what 
what do I need to know? So, so appreciate your taking the for time sure. and educational, every, education, everyone out, every, educating everyone on that. That was a tough one for me to get out. Everyone travel <laughs> safely to Florida. Yeah, uh, I, uh, the, uh, the quick fox, brown fox to jump over the log or whatever it is. So, all right, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, find a way to certify today, help someone. I don't care if it's a kind smile, just be find a way to help somebody. And with that, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day and a end of the month. All right, everyone, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Facts Not Feelings with Brooke Furness. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating. If you know a friend or a colleague will benefit from today's episode, share it with them. Until next week, find a way to serve someone. Find a way to help your neighbor. Remember, we are all in this together.